If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this podcast today. And if you are an LDS woman going through separation and divorce, I invite you to my free women's group called Women at the Well. And you can find the link in the show notes. And here, we harness our discipleship by asking and receiving personal revelation, seeing and recognizing the power of God through everyday miracles, and to walk the covenant path through a greater conversion to Jesus Christ. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. As I am recording this, it is the beginning of August, and my daughter woke up and said, did you know there's only four and a half months left before the end of the year? And I just have to say that I was in complete denial of it. And I said, nope, that is so wrong. (laughs) I am not ready for 2024. I'm still enjoying my 2023 year and end of summer, and I hope that you are too. Anyway, I want to introduce you to a very good coach friend of mine by the name of Julie. And I was introduced to her by a mutual friend of ours, Emily Wardrop with Drop the War Life Coaching, who is a parent coach. So that's my little shout out to Emily. If you need some help with littles, she's the one to help you. But anyway, I had the privilege of having Julie over at my home. Was it almost a month ago? Four I think weeks it's just ago. Been like a few weeks. I don't a even remember. Weeks. I don't. We had so much I fun. And it was so crazy. <laughs> it was a crazy week. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so fun because um, because she came to visit me at her birthday month, and so and you may remember her from the last podcast when we had um, oh shoot Leah Davidson Leah Davidson talking about trauma. So anyway, I wanted to bring her on here to talk about her divorce and about how she was been able to partner with Christ and to lead with grace in regards to her divorce and what parts of her story have been difficult, what has been easy and what has helped her to get through it. And so please, um, please help me to welcome Julie. So hi, Julie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so good to see you again. Yes, again, I know. (laughs) So before we begin, I just want to um, allow you some space and time to introduce yourself to my people. Who are you? Um, You are a coach. Who do you coach? And why did you choose to come on here? Well, I'm Julie Osmond, and I live in Spokane, Washington. I have been a coach for a little over three years now, and it has been the most beautiful journey to find coaching, um, be coached in my life, and uh, also be able to coach other people. I had been looking for a career for quite some time and had been looking into uh, being a therapist to help others. Uh, I'm, I'm very good with people and I enjoy working with them. I feel like I have a gift to see and hear the words that they don't say. Um, and so I, I really wanted to work in that space, but I didn't want, I didn't want to listen to people complain all day long. I wanted solutions. I wanted to be able to help people get out of the quagmire of pain. And so when I found coaching, I was like, oh my goodness, I've been searching for this for years and years and years. And uh, so that's been a beautiful journey. And I I don't have a specific 
group of people that I coach other than LDS women that um, are struggling with various aspects of their life. Um, mostly I work with parents and I help um, like most of my clients are parents that need help with their teenagers or their adult children. And, uh, but some, some relationship coaching as well, it's pretty much helping people get out of that, that emotional pain that keeps them stuck. Awesome. All right. Thank you for sharing that with us. And um, I'll have you share just where they can find you at the end of the episode, and I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. And so can you begin by sharing with us your, um, how long you've been married and when things started unraveling? Um, And let's, let's start there. Yeah, great. Um, I was married for 25 years. Things started to unravel around year 22. Um, it was, it's so funny. I was just talking with someone last night and um, describing how most people from the outside in looked at our family and looked at our marriage and our relationship and would, would describe it as the perfect relationship, the perfect marriage. And I wouldn't say, of course, nothing is perfect. Um, yeah. But we had a good relationship. We got along well. We rarely argued um, when it was something that we, it was more like disagreements. He thought something should happen one way and I thought it should happen another way. Um, most of the time he was very agreeable and we got along great, um, almost to the point where I would, I would look at other couples and I would be like, look, they haven't even been married as long as, as we have been. And we still hold hands and we still kiss and we still say, I love you all the time. We want to be next to each other. Um, so that was kind of how it was. So uh, around year 22, um, we started to argue more or have more disagreements and, that was confusing to me because that had not been our experience or my experience for years and years and years. Um, he was very easy to work with. Um, but around year 22, almost everything that I suggested or wanted to do, he, he would push back on. And, uh, I finally was like, well, and then, and he would also, threatened divorce if we had an argument and they were small arguments. And I was like, why are you talking about divorce right now? Um, This is, this is something that we can get through. This is silly. Yeah. Um, What I came to find out was he had been very unhappy for quite a while. He had been not sharing his true feelings and emotions for a very long time and everything just built up and he couldn't hold it in anymore around that time. And so, um, yeah, that's, wow. that was the beginning of the end for us. And so what, what, what was like your first inclination or what was your first reaction when you found out that he hadn't been happy for a very long time and he didn't share that with you? My first one, there's so many, Hio. Um, I would say shock and disbelief because 
I was confused how I could be living with him and not know that he was unhappy. Although he does struggle with mental illness. And so I just always attribute it to, to that. And, and when I would ask him about it, he never said it was me or that it was our relationship. He would always blame it on work or the kids um, or even church, but it was not ever, he wouldn't ever bring it to me until, until like year 22. And um, so when he finally shared everything, like these were things going back to when our daughter was born, our first child was born and um, he, well, even before she was born. um, So we're, we're talking 20 years and I'm going, I, I don't know what you want me to do with something that happened 20 years ago because like, I'm sorry, but I could have fixed it better then than I can now. And like yeah. at this point, like I can try to move forward, but it it's your work to let go of that and, and to, you know, forgive me for those things that, um, and a lot of them were things that he had told me one thing, but really felt in a different way and, mm-hmm. and hadn't been completely honest. And so that was another thing I was just like, I don't know what you want me to do because I asked you and you told me you were fine with X, Y, and Z. Um, And if you weren't really fine with it, I needed to know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so So it felt like a mountain. It felt like a mountain of hurts that just got dumped right before me and was like, these are all, all of the grievances I have for you. And for me, I was like, I don't know how, I don't know how to start fixing that right now. Yeah. And was he interested in rebuilding, restructuring, reframing the relationship in marriage when he dumped this mountain of stuff on you? You know, he claimed that he was, and he would, and he did go with me to counseling and we did try, try to fix things through counseling. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to really know, to be completely honest with you. I don't, I don't really believe that he was, I think that he was, um, very much had decided that divorce was the only way that he was going to be happy. So he went through the motions, he said the words, but, um, when it came right down to it, his actions, um, showed me that he was, he was already, he had already made up his mind at that point. Got it. Got it. And so was it easy for you to rely on your savior, like from this point on, or how did you get to that point where you realized you could not do this on your own? It was definitely a journey because when it first was brought to me, um, I had a lot of pride and a lot of justification for why I felt the way I felt. And I had a lot of people agreeing with me, with my justifications. And 
so it was very hard for me to humble myself and I did, it wasn't, um, it took me a while to be able to be humble, um, in this, at first I was angry and I was bitter and I was in so much pain because this person I'd been married to for, you know, 22 years at this point and, and dealt with his own, um, struggles with mental illness and, um, going through that process, all of a sudden blamed me for everything that he had been through. And, and I'm like, wait a second, don't I get credit for anything that I've done? Don't I get credit for having five children? Don't I get credit for, you know, dealing with your mental illness, for supporting you in your career, for, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I wanted. I wanted, yeah. I wanted credit for what I had done. And um, what I, had I humbled myself sooner, I think I could have said, I could have had more compassion for where he was and what he yeah. needed. I don't know if it would change, have changed the outcome as far as divorce or not, Yeah, but it would have smoothed my path. But I was like, this isn't fair. I have done everything I'm supposed to do. Heavenly Father, I served a mission. I got married in the temple. I had children. I've served in the, my callings. I pay my tithing. Like, why is this happening to me? And that was my rhetoric for a very long time. And so I was in pain for a very long time. And to be honest, it wasn't until I found coaching that I was able to allow um, a different story to be told and allow the savior to work in my life and also decide who I wanted to be through the rest of the process. Um, because I had, I wasn't really proud of who I'd been up until that point. Yeah. So then what is it about the coaching that helped you to connect with Christ in a way that you couldn't connect with him before? Like what was, what was the blockage? What was the stumbling block that had to be removed that coaching helped you to see? Um, like I said, I, you know, I wanted credit for what I had done. I wanted, and, and I had stories and if I shared all my stories, I bet our listeners would be like, Oh yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> you have total rights for feeling that way. But, um, Learning that my I could change my story, yeah, uh, was huge in allowing the Savior to um, show me how He could heal me, how He could take away my pain. Like I know it sounds like, oh, well, just change your story. You don't need the atonement. No, that's changing my story was how I allowed Christ in. I I no longer had that defensive barrier up, it softened my heart. It softened my, um, it, and it humbled me and enough to allow Christ in, to allow him to show me not only who I truly am, 
my, the eternal perspective of my identity, but also who my, um, I love to call him my husband. <laughs> I love that phrase, but um, <laughs> he truly is. Yeah. And to see him for his eternal um, identity, his eternal nature, rather than who he's being right now in this moment. Yeah. And that, that allowed me to let go of every validation I thought I needed, every um, story that I had for him and allowed me that peace that passes all understanding through the rest of the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can totally relate to everything that you're saying. Like for the longest time, I thought it was his problem and he was the creator of all the problems and the source of all the problems. And, and just like you, I'm just like, I am the one that's holding up the floor. Like there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. And just like you, it wasn't until until God started to just show me like the truth of all things, but he couldn't just give it to me like a fire hose. Like it was really like, kind of like I call the drops of oil just being like Mm -hmm. giving to me like line upon line and precept on on precept. And so, and this, this question might be a little too personal. So if it's a little too personal, then you can just say pass, but is there something about yourself and your husband that God revealed to you? that showed or that maybe showcase his divinehood that really allowed that to shine above your old narrative. I, so I never wanted my divorce and, um, I, I believed wholeheartedly and still believe in miracles and, and that, People can change. I believe in the the story of Saul turned to Paul and um, Ammon and his his friends and everything. Like I believe that people can truly, truly change. Yeah. Once they turn to Christ and allow Him to heal your heart, and so the entire time that we were struggling, I believed we could change for a very, very long time. I didn't know how. Mm. Um, and so I begged and begged and begged for charity for, for him. And I was granted that charity. So I'm sorry. Your question was, was there a time that, um, where like, God revealed our true natures? Yeah. Like his divine nature to you and your own divine nature to your own self. Cause I think yeah. sometimes some of the, um, some of the suffering that, that we experience is because we forget some of these, these essential aspects of who we truly are. And it's very human yes. nature. We get so caught up in the weeds and being in the thick of it that we forget the spiritual aspect of why we're here upon this earth. Absolutely. I I don't think that there was any time that I didn't, um, that I didn't desire for our marriage to be healed. Yeah. But there was definitely, especially when we first started out, I would say that probably the first nine-ish months of our difficulties, um, of our struggles, where I 
didn't see who he truly was. Like I always believed he could be more than he was being, but um, it was with judgment. Mm-hmm. It was more like, Hey, how come like you're better than this? Let's, let's figure this out. Um, step yeah. it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of thing where after begging for that charity and being granted that gift of charity to be able to see him as he truly is, that's when I had compassion for what he had gone through for his own experiences and still could see him the way God said, see, seed him, <laughs> saw him, <laughs> but, um, but it was with, it wasn't with any judgment anymore. It was with so much compassion and love for him, regardless yeah. of the outcome. I remember my coach at the time and I was telling her, I said, he's threatening divorce and I don't know what to do. And she said, what if divorce is exactly what he needs? And that was one of the hardest questions for me because I'm like, no, that's not not part (laughs) of the deal, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's not part of the, you know, the gospel plan. Divorce is not part of the gospel plan. And, And what I came to realize there was Number one, I loved him enough that if that's what he really needed to return to our savior, to our heavenly father, I was willing to go through that. And also number two, that the gospel plan is to return to our heavenly father. There is an ideal path that we have been given commandments for. And he's like, hey, if you follow this path, it will be easier. Yeah. But he knows that not all of us can follow that path. And so ultimately, he has created multiple ways for us to get back through the atonement of Christ. That these offshoots eventually all lead back to him. So, um, yeah, that that was a hard one for me to get through. But ultimately, I was like, if that's what he needs, then I'm willing. Um, that ultimately, that's what I would want is for him to be able to return to his heavenly father. Yeah, and it makes sense that when we kind of th- when we think about the God that we believe in, the heavenly parents that we believe in, the perfected beings that they are, they are going to give us a million opportunities to come back to them. Like there's not going to be just this one way. And when you were kind of describing all those different paths leading back to the one place, I was thinking about a tree, but going from the outside in from like the smallest branch going all the way down to the trunk, all the way down to the roots. And there are so many different ways to do it. And for you to just come to that place of like, I love him enough to let him go. I love him enough to give him this thing that I don't want. Like that's such a beautiful act of compassion and charity. That, and I mean, honestly, there, when somebody files for a divorce, you don't have a whole lot of choice in the matter yeah. anymore. The yeah. only choice that uh, 
I live in the state of Washington and, and I know every state is different, but uh, there was something in the legal papers where it, it basically was saying, I agree that we have irreconcilable differences. And I'm like, I don't agree with this. But my lawyer was like, if you don't sign this, he, you will have no say in the divorce proceedings. Wow. And so even though I didn't agree <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but this, I, you know, this, I had to sign it in order to be able to have a say and have my voice heard in, in the divorce proceedings. So it's really not a choice anymore. The choice that I had, uh-huh. um, you know, once he wanted to go and once he, he decided that the, that was his path was one, how I wanted my relationship to, with him to be. And also how I wanted my relationship with myself and with my children to be. Yeah. And I didn't want um, I didn't want contention. I, it's not who I wanted to be. It's not what I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. And so while I didn't, you know, lay down and take it, I definitely advocated for myself. I advocated for myself in a way that, uh, did not create contention on my side. Yeah. Yeah. And I was listening to, oh no. I was actually thinking about this. I think it was today and I was trying to rack my brains as to where I had heard it, whether it was through a podcast or it was through um, a general conference talk is that conflict is one thing, but contention and contempt is a completely different thing. Like conflict is normal. You're going to have differences, but to bring in contention and contempt is not of God. And so how would you describe leading with grace from this point on. So you find coaching, you realize I need to change my narrative and changing your narrative really opened yourself up to, to the grace of Christ and his atonement. Then how did you begin to see that um, from this point on through the rest of your divorce and now with your relationship with him? Honestly, it's, um, you, you spoke earlier about, does it matter what the other person does? And I'm going to say no, because my relationship with my husband, I, I do have a love for him. He will always be, um, the father of my children. He will always be, um, a son of God to me. He will always be my brother in Christ to me. I don't have that romantic love for him, um, but I have respect for him in that way. But we don't talk. We don't communicate. We don't have that kind of relationship. Um, And a huge part of that is his narrative where, you know, what he believes about me, what he and and, um, how he interacts. But for me, I still have that, that love for him hugely because of who I wanted to be. Um, so I have decided, you know, I want that peace in my life always. Yeah. And it is a constant effort because my children will come home and and say, well, dad, this and, or dad, that kind of thing. And of course, I'm getting it third party and maybe I don't completely understand the the situation, but 
I'm a human being and I'll, I'll make judgments on that. And so it is a constant um, effort to keep that perspective. But again, it's making that decision that I want to live my life in the peace that Christ um, gives us. And, and so I do my best to keep, keep it that way. Um, keep that peace. Yeah. Through. And Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, um, like when you were talking about that, what came up for me was the Sermon on the Mount and of the different attributes and characteristics that he highlights, right? Like the meek or the poor in spirit or the humble. Okay. And it, it's so interesting that it's like, um, it's great to live and, and to manifest those attributes when everything is great and things are easy, but it's not always easy to do that. And it is challenged when you are facing a divorce, when you're facing someone who no longer validates who you are, who no longer sees you in, in the way that you think you should be seen. Absolutely. And, and so like what, what does, what has grounded you and what continues to ground you when you do face this invalidation and rejection? And I'm saying rejection from like, from his perspective, but what grounds you so that you can not worry about those things and to really focus on those attributes of Christ that you're trying to become? Honestly, remembering who I am. Um, because whenever I struggle with my divorce, with my relationship with him, um, with falling back into, Hey, I deserve X, Y, and Z because I went through A, B, and Z first. (laughs) Um, That might be true, right? Like it might be true that you did go through all of that, but (laughs) But that energy is an entitlement energy instead. Yeah. And, and I don't think the Lord wants us and in an entire entitlement energy. I think we're commanded to be in the energy of love. We're yeah. commanded to be in the energy of peace, um, in the energy of trust. He legitimately, we don't look at those as commandments, but if we look in the scriptures, they are. And so what I, what grounds me to that is remembering that I have a mission here. And if I keep myself in the, in the energy of entitlement or um, victimhood or blame or shame, because there's a lot of shame that comes with divorce too. Um, maybe in the LDS community, but I think in the community as in general, um, it's more accepted outside of outside of the church community. But I do think that sh- shame just comes with divorce. There's a failure there, right? But um, we're not meant to stay there, and the Lord doesn't want us to be there. Yes, that happened. Yes, we need to process through that. And I still need you to be my servant. I still need you to be love, which all of us ultimately are, right? We all have that ultimate Christ-like love 
at the core when we actually get down to who we truly are. Yeah. But also the peace. Um, Elder Holland gave a great talk about and said, I think that's the the, um, number one uh, commandment that we don't keep is to be at peace and be of good cheer. Uh, complaining kind of is contagious and that's not where the Lord wants us. Um, So, so that's the biggest thing is coming back to who I am and communing with my heavenly father and trusting my savior. Like those are the things that I do to ground myself. And so then who are you? Like who what have you discovered about who you are that maybe you didn't realize who you were before things got really messy? That's my first question. And my second question is, what are you meant to do? Like, what have you discovered about your divine mission here upon this earth? Well, Hio, I was not expecting to get emotional and, and teary-eyed talking to you about this. But um, those are some pretty deep and important questions. I will say one thing I forgot about myself is how much fun I am. Like I actually enjoy people and, and how social I am. I had stopped being very social. Um, not because of he required that of me at all, but I was, I felt so heavy that being around people um, and not being able to share what I was going through felt difficult. Um, but I need people. I'm very much a people person. I um, And I think that's part of my mission is to be a connector of people, to mm. help others rem- remember that they also have a divine nature, that they also have a divine mission. Yeah. And... And I would say that my mission is to spread that message. Hey, remember who you truly are. Remember, like, and when you remember who you are, everything else gets easier. Like following the commandments, when you know you're a daughter of God and you know you have a purpose here and he He wants you to fulfill that it's easier to fulfill the commandments. It's easier to go to church. It's easier to read your scriptures because you're like, oh yeah, this is my purpose. No longer is it you have to, you have to, you have to. It's, oh, this is who I am and this is my purpose. I, it, it gives you so much more strength to to move forward that way. Um, I think I also realized that life is meant to be enjoyed. Mm. And like, I think so many of us think that we're here for trials and suffering. Yeah. But Christ literally tells us that he suffered. So we wouldn't have to, if we would just reach out to him, accept the atonement from him. Yeah. Now, I think the trick there is learning how, the how of it. Um, and for me, a lot of that has, I've learned through coaching, the how of accepting 
Christ and, and not having to suffer as much. We're going to suffer, but that's only because we haven't figured it out yet. It's the same thing as to me, riding a bike, you're going to fall down when you learn to ride a bike. But once you learn how to ride a bike, you don't fall down as often. Honestly, you don't fall down unless you're starting to push the limits, right? Yeah. Starting to level up. Um, And anyway, so for me, I also feel like life is meant to be enjoyed more. And I do enjoy my life so much more. I don't sweat the small stuff nearly as much as I used to. And just have allowed more, more love and joy to enter in my life. Um, Doesn't mean that it's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, so much better than it was. Yeah. And I have to agree with you. You are fun. (laughs) We had fun. (laughs) We did have fun. (laughs) We had fun. (laughs) And so that's okay. And so as you were talking about all that, Um, It just reminded me of this quote that a good friend of mine sent me. Let me just read this. And this is what it says. When we are on the Lord's errand, President Thomas S. Monson promised, we are entitled to the Lord's help. We are not entitled, however, to a smooth road and an endless stream of successes. Right? Like, again, addressing the spirit of entitlement is not of Christ. It's not of God but versus like yeah. the spirit of love and hope and charity and trust and prayer, like all of that. And so I have this crazy question for you that just popped into my brain. Okay. So would you say, oh, how do I want to even like ask this question? How do you think your divorce has been an act of grace from God? And, I'm, oh. and as I'm asking that, I know I'm kind of like challenging you, you on some levels, okay? And maybe on some levels of the listeners, but I'm I'm doing this purposefully. Yeah, that has been a, a very difficult thing for me to, um, to reconcile in my brain mm-hmm. because um, it's... Hillary Weeks has a song called beautiful heartbreak. And I do think it's been like a beautiful heartbreak or um, a beautiful tragedy because I do think divorce is tragic. It's not something that just affects the married people and their children. It affects the community and it still affects our community um, on a, on a regular basis. It affects our community because just of the interactions that we have. But without the divorce, I could not have known my savior like I do. Without the divorce, um, because it forced me to see myself differently It forced me to see him differently, uh, my husband differently. And it forced me to trust the Savior like I've never trusted him before. And I would never give up that relationship with him. Even to save my marriage, 
the, the relationship I have with my savior now is precious. And I would not want to give that up. That's a really bold statement. I mean, that really is because there's a lot of women that are like struggling with this question, right? And the questions that you've had to struggle and just get through, but to say that what you got out of it, which is a more firm, more solid, more tangible experience with the savior and with your heavenly parents, that's really profound. And to be able to give up all things just for that. And so what does it now look to you moving forward? I mean, now you're divorced. So what does it look like moving forward with this up-leveling of your relationship with him? What's next for Julie? What I hope for is um, to find someone who also has been able to level up their relationship with their savior through a divorce, through a loss. It doesn't have to be divorce, but through a loss that um, we can also fulfill the rest of our missions together, our earthly missions, whether it be um, a formal mission or just service in any way. I, I actually believe that every day is is part of your mission that we all had a specific purpose yeah here on earth and that every day um we're hopefully striving to fulfill that in some way or another and uh i don't discount the little things anymore i i, I used to think it had to be a big event but uh it's it's the little things, it's the little drops of oil, like you were saying, that um, make the biggest difference. I would hope, I um, want to spread this message for everyone that when you remember who you who you truly are and you partner with Christ, life actually gets easier. Um, to go back to something you were saying earlier about um, the entitlement of the rough and easy path, um, that I just got back from girls camp and it was a little bit challenging. It's, it's not usually this challenging for me, but there was a lot of emotion that happened at girls camp and, and not everything went perfectly, um, with between the young women, the leaders were great, but between the young women, not everything went perfectly. And some people suggested that maybe we should have moved um, some young women around to to facilitate, make yeah. things more more simple. And I, I said, except that, what if the difficulty was exactly what they needed? What if the difficulty was part of that path? And I think so with what, with what President was it President Nelson that quote President Monson President Monson said yeah yeah is what we forget and and how we make things more difficult for ourselves is that we think it should be easy and so when it's difficult we think something went wrong so but good. the truth is is that 
we can't grow without difficulty. Yeah. And so look at that as, oh yeah, I'm growing this. I'm just growing now. This is a growth experience. It takes a lot of the pain and the suffering out of it. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's so um, for me, what I would hope to bring into the future and help other people see that different perspective Yeah, to take a lot of that pain and suffering, unnecessary pain and suffering out of our, our lives. The one, the pain and suffering we create for ourselves. Yeah. I love that. That's so, I love how you said all of that. And so if there are listeners that want to connect with you, that want to work with you, that want to experience um, what you have experienced in finding greater peace, how can they find you? How can they get in touch with you and how can they work with you? Okay. So they can go to, I'm laughing because um, (laughs) I've struggled a little bit with my last name. I, Julie Osman is my married name and I um, have kept that for my, for my daughter's sake. They're still in school. They're still with me. Also, I've lived here for 20 years and everyone at church knows me as sister Osman. So they can, but they can find me on Instagram at, um, at Julie Edmonds coaching. Okay. So (laughs) Edmonds with a U. Uh, because I was like, I'm going to change my name for business, but I haven't fully done that. Yeah. And, um, my website is, um, let go and love coaching. Okay. Excuse me. Um, .com. So for, because I really believe that that is a, the, fastest way to, to peace is to let go of all of the pain you're holding on to and just love, learn how to love. And you can, you know, that's, that's what helped me. Awesome. Thank you so much for just coming on here and I'll make sure to have all the links. Yes. Thank you. And um, I'll make sure how the, all the links are on the show notes so that my listeners know how to book a call with you and to see that you, you are a great fit for them. All right. Thank you everyone for hopping on and I will talk to you later. Bye. Hello, welcome to Leading with Grace, the podcast for women going through separation and divorce. My name is Hio, and I'm your host. I'm a certified life and spiritual mastery coach. And here I get to show you how your divorce doesn't have to be devastating, but that actually it could be the means of greater discipleship with your savior, Jesus Christ, as you connect with him in a higher and holier way. Let me show you how.